Welcome to the Jet Setting Family Travel Podcast. I'm Jess. And I'm Rod. And we are really excited about this episode because I'm just going to say it, Cambodia was the most memorable country that we've been to on our adventure so far. We fell in love and it was pretty instant. Yeah, we were there for over a week little over a week and the, that entire time we were thinking wow we wish we could have stayed here longer but we already had other plans and sadly that time went by too quick i but know it was one of those things where sadly i feel like in our planning stages cambodia was one of the places we said if we can squeeze it in we will and i regret not making it more of a priority from the beginning because it was just so incredible the first thing that we want to address is anchor wat because one of the questions, at least one of the concerns that we had was, you know, it's a huge temple. There's a lot to do there. Is it something that you really want to do with the kids? There are a lot of mixed opinions on whether it's worth it for the kids or whether it's just a miserable time for the parents. (laughs) We get asked that a lot since going, um, if we would still recommend it for kids. And I was a little nervous at first. Um, I had read a couple blog posts from others saying that they would not recommend it. But we decided we needed to find out for ourselves. And we were hardcore, guys. We went at sunrise. (laughs) We woke up at 4 a.m. We woke the kids up. We had a breakfast um, kind of picnic basket that was prepared by our resort. Navutu Dreams, um, who were awesome. They they planned the tuk-tuk and the picnic for us. So we got up super early, got ready, got to Angkor Wat. And I won't lie. That first hour, it was worth it. It was absolutely breathtaking. But the kids were exhausted. So (laughs) (laughs) that first part of Angkor Wat was so beautiful um, that I still recommend going early in the morning. But Rod had to carry Nora pretty much the whole time. And Santi didn't really want to walk. So it was whining quite a bit because they were tired. But we kind of just made it there. And then we found a place to sit down and watch sunrise and took it easy for the first bit. Yeah, then we walked back out of the temple, picked up our picnic basket from our tuk-tuk driver, and we just sat on the little riverbank and ate our breakfast. Nora was still asleep, uh, and we relaxed for a bit. That was at around 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so we toured um, the main Angkor Wat temple, and we still enjoyed it. It was beautiful, and the nice part was is at sunrise, actually, everyone sits outside of Angkor Wat to kind of see the reflection of it on the lake. Um, We did that for just a few minutes before we just went ahead and went in. And what was nice about it was nobody else was inside at that time. Mm -hmm. We pretty much had a lot of it to ourselves, which was a really, really, really cool experience. Um, Had we had more days, I probably would have wanted to go back again in the morning to just watch the whole thing from the lake. But I was glad that we took that time to go ahead, go through, see what we wanted to see really bad um, before taking that picnic rest. Yeah, and it was all really just self-guided for us. There are tour guides available, whether you book it through your resort, through a tour company, or even if you just show up there, there will be people that are waiting, asking if you want any English kind of tour services. Um, So if your kids are a little bit older and they can, um, you know, take a guided tour and spend a lot more time at the main temple, that is something that we've heard can be really worthwhile as well. 
After we saw um, that main temple, we went over, it's a quick tuk-tuk right away, another 10 minutes or so, over to Anchor Tom. That's where Bayon Temple is. Um, it's more known as the temple with the statues of the many faces. So the, the four-sided faces that are everywhere. It's really unique looking. And that's the one that we were able to spend a little bit more time with because the kids were, the awake. Kids were <laughs> awake, they were fed, and they were happy. They love <laughs> climbing around um they loved hiding from each other um and playing like hide and seek in the temples so they really just viewed it as kind of like a playground more than anything Uh i don't think they necessarily appreciated like the architecture or a lot of the historical aspect of Mm -hmm. it but we were able to appreciate it while they had fun so just to kind of give a final impression of anchor wat we spent one day there we definitely could have spent more more way longer there but we found it to be absolutely worth it with our two-year-old and our six-year-old if you have kids an inside tip um that i wish we guess would have utilized a little bit better but so you have to buy your tickets before going so the ticket station at anchor Wat is not at anchor Wat. it's somewhere in town a little bit out of the way um, and you have to go and you have to go inside and have your picture taken. And it's this process that was not that long, but I mean, it is a process. Apparently, if you go the day before to buy your ticket, it has to be after, I believe, 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. You can buy your ticket for the next day to save time in the morning. And you can go see sunset that night before almost for free. So you get like this free few hours before your ticket starts the next day. Um, we had a commitment the night before so that we couldn't utilize that time. But I think if you have kids and you really want to get more out of it, I would definitely recommend going the night before, buying your ticket, seeing sunset that night. So it's not such a long day the next day and then getting up and using your pass for the following day. Anchor Wat is not the only thing. I mean, it's the biggest thing that is there, and it's definitely the one must-see thing there. But uh, we were lucky enough to collaborate with Navutu Dreams Resort while we were there, and they had a whole bunch more activities planned out for us, (laughs) which we had a lot of fun with, one of which was Khmer boxing. Oh, man. We have found that our family loves doing martial arts together. We are not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) We're not that great. But we really love it as like a fun family activity. We we did boxing in Thailand with Santi and he did not want to stop. And it was the same thing in Cambodia. We went to the Khmer boxing. But we had this awesome instructor this time who wasn't just like, okay, you're going to do a jab, cross jab or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He really was about teaching you how to defend yourself. Um, and about if someone hits you here, this is what you do. And so it was like a lot more. It was more informative, but also active. So you got to learn the technique and you got to learn why that technique is used, when and why it matters and how, you know, how it's effective, how people um, can get caught by it, etc. So that Khmer boxing class was at Kingdom Fight Gym. Go ahead Highly and check it out. Very it. recommended. If you were there, go do it because it was so much I fun. I kind of wanted to just stay there and then train and become a semi-professional Khmer boxer and get beat up uh, for a living. Because it was so <laughs> awesome. Fun. So if you make it there and you are looking for a place to stay, I recommend Nabutu. And just kind of tell them what you're looking to do. And they are really happy. They have tons of activities that they're willing to set up for you. The last thing that we did on our last night there was we got a recommendation to go check out Pub Street. 
Pub Street is one of the kind main. of yeah, one of the main night streets there with a bunch of lights, tons of restaurants. Uh, it was just this like really fun, lively street and super easy for kids. It was kind of closed down, so you could just walk it. It just had a really cool vibe to it. Like it felt, I don't know, so lively. And the people in Cambodia. I have to say, like, are some of the nicest people we have ever met. And they just have these welcoming smiles that greet you everywhere you go. And it's really hard to describe that connection with Cambodia. And when I posted about how shocked I was to fall in love with Cambodia on one of these Facebook travel groups I'm in, it was amazing how many people who went to Cambodia said the same thing. There's an instant connection when you get there with the people. So from there, we were really excited to go and see a more rural side of Cambodia. So we were super, super, super honored to be um, able to collaborate with a cruise line this time called Heritage Cruise Lines. And we were aboard a boat called the Jahan. This was a four-night river cruise which sounds like the most ridiculous thing for a family to do, but it was actually extremely family-friendly. It was incredible. It was definitely the number one thing we have done thus far. It's a pretty nice cruise ship. It's a luxury-type cruise Luxury ship. cruise ship. It has 26 rooms. There is a kind of meeting room where, or a lounge area where the reception desk is. You have a really nice dining room. You have a pool deck. And I was really nervous, more than Anchor Wat, I was nervous to get on this cruise with the kids. I was like, okay, this is a really cool opportunity. I'm really excited. Um, but how are we going to keep the kids entertained on this cruise f- for this time? And we get on the cruise. And at the time, to be honest, there weren't any other kids on our ship. But the kids were so busy the whole week with all the activities that they had the best time. Yeah, so in terms of the itinerary, we boarded on the Tonle Sap Lake, which is about a half hour drive from Siem Reap. From there, we sailed uh, pretty much down the Tonle Sap River for about a day and a half to get to Phnom Penh and then kept going up into the Mekong River for another day. Uh, and there were excursions all along the way. And kind of the last day, we uh, docked at Phnom Penh with the sister ship uh, there as well. And we got to do some um, day-long excursions all throughout Phnom Penh on that last day. Overall, um, as Jess mentioned, we were very busy. We thought, okay, we're going to get to experience the pool every single day. But the way that every day was structured is pretty much there was breakfast at 7 a.m. And by 8 a.m., you were out the door, out doing an activity somewhere along um, one of the rivers that we were at. And experiencing the culture and we do that for about three to four hours come back on the ship have lunch have maybe an hour break and then you go do another thing in the afternoon for another three hours come back have dinner and then pretty much just prepare for the next day because we're exhausted so some of the things to give you an example of what we were doing is um, on one of the excursions we got off in a more remote village to learn about pottery and to learn about um, how this man makes maple syrup not necessarily maple syrup so this man he is a uh, palm sugar syrup harvester 
So he goes up to these huge palm trees and harvests kind of the, the sugar syrup from them. But it was really interesting going to this rural village and thinking, oh, what, you know, what do they do on a day-to-day -day basis? We got to experience that. We got to see how they make these clay ovens. We got to see how they make pottery, how they harvest this uh, palm sugar. And by the end of those three hours, that was our very first excursion. We left thinking, wow, this community, you know, they don't have a lot in terms of technological advances, but everybody there is extremely happy. They are doing what they're doing uh, day to day to, you know, make a living for themselves. And they were gracious enough to take us in and give us a little glimpse into what their life was like. Another excursion we did is we got to go to a local school called Green School. Um, something I haven't really talked about as much on our Instagram page, but that's like an internal conflict for me, is volunteering at schools lately. It's something I've done a lot in the past. It's something I was always passionate about. And then in the past year, I've learned a lot about how volunteering at schools at times can be detrimental to the kids because um, of a lot of reasons. <laughs> One, I'll just give a couple quick examples yeah. before I talk to you about the green school. So sometimes when you volunteer, you go into these third world countries and you're volunteering. What we don't realize is that sometimes they're orphanages or sometimes they're kind of boarding schools where a lot of those children actually have parents and they are taken from their parents um, and put into these schools because the organizations convince the parents that that is the best way for their child to get educated. And many times it's really done so that these schools look crowded and look more at need. So when Westerners come in, we're more willing to give money. Um, and it's proven that children would actually do better if they were with their families. So I have a really hard time lately and we've kind of backed away from volunteering until we can kind of figure out what's the best way to do so without causing harm. There's other issues you can research as well. Um, if you look up voluntour or volunteerism um, and the negative impacts, I highly suggest people do that. Take the time to research, guys. So when we were going to the school, I was a little apprehensive, but I found that the green school in particular that we went to, I was really happy about because one, it's run by a local, which is important because a lot of times volunteers from the West come in and they take all the jobs that locals could be doing. Um, mm -hmm. So this one was run by a local. It was a lo local teacher and all of the children lived in th their families. And he was really just trying to provide a nice school for the community children, a community that he grew up in and a community that he loved. And so that was really, really something I loved to hear. And it was nice to see Santi interact with them. I, they asked him to sit down um, amongst the students while there. We weren't there volunteering. We were more just there to learn about their project. And um, the Jahan does stop there often and they do a lot of of the passengers donate money and it goes back to this guy to help build his school but when santi sat down on the bench he sat down next to these girls and like everyone in the room was like Whoa! like <laughs> yelling and he was just smiling ear to ear and these girls were blushing and it was just so cute um and so that's something i i really liked that school for those reasons and i'm not saying all schools are bad in that other organizations, I think every organization and volunteer type school, um, people are going in with a pure heart and people aren't going in to damage. I don't blame any of the people. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that we lack the knowledge to know how can we be most helpful. Yeah, and the opportunities to learn are just so endless. We go on these excursions, but also in the evenings on the boat, um, they put on movies and documentaries about the Mekong River, about Cambodian history, about Angkor Wat, and... Uh, 
we unfortunately didn't get a chance to experience them because we had to put the kids down to bed. They gave us a file. <laughs> but we got the file so we can watch them later. They but, had some amazing guest speakers come on the boat and tell mm-hmm. us um, their experience, like not their experiences necessarily, but like the history of Cambodia. Like, just some really, really cool speakers. Um, our guide himself had a lot of personal history he was willing to share from the genocide um, and sadly the devastation Pol Pot caused on the country and it wasn't even that long ago so you have to realize a lot of the people you encounter in Cambodia their families were affected by the genocide Um, they lost family members they lost grandparents Mm -hmm. parents I mean it was, I mean, half the, it was how much, a quarter of the country. A, Almost about a quarter a of the quarter country. A quarter of the yeah. country um, was like sadly. Millions of people. Millions of people were killed. So learning about the genocide was just really heavy on the heart, um, especially when we finally got to um, Phnom Penh and got to go to, on our last day, we went to the killing fields where millions of people were killed. Um, and where we went to the S21 detention center, which essentially was a place people were imprisoned um, and they were either killed there or then they were sent to a killing field. Yeah, it was Um, just devastating and an emotional day. And we did take the kids with us. Um, We did limit the exposure that they got to some of, you know, the the things that happened and pretty much the background there. We made it an activity to just kind of walk around We gave them the tablet when it was not appropriate for them to see some of the things there. But ultimately, it can be doable for families if you're really interested in checking out the Killing Fields and the S21 Detention Center. It is absolutely worthwhile to learn about uh, the genocide and what kind of impact that had on the entire population, the entire economy, the entire culture of Cambodia, and all of which was very recent history. But to see how resilient the people of Cambodia are, they're moving forward, they're trying to rebuild programs and structures and and rebuild their country, essentially. And to see them do it with smiles makes you just in awe of the human spirit. The rest of the tour that we got in Phnom Penh, we got to see the royal palace, how beautiful that was. We got to learn about the history of, you know, the succession of kings throughout the country. Uh, And it was really educational of an experience. It was an amazing mixing pot of culture that we got all over Cambodia throughout, not only in Siem Reap in Angkor Wat, but throughout this entire cruise. It was an experience that just will be unforgettable for us as a family. Yeah. So if you're on the fence about whether you should visit Cambodia or not, you know, frankly (laughs) speaking, yes, it is a little bit more expensive to get there. That's one of the reasons we were turned off by it a little bit uh, to fly into Siem Reap or to Phnom Penh. But once we made it there, we were so glad that we made that decision. So if you're considering it. Than other, even than other Southeast Asia destinations, like food and stuff was cheaper. Mm -hmm. So the flights to get there were more expensive, but you could definitely save money once there. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely check it out. We've already got it at the top of the list of places in Southeast Asia that we want to revisit. Yes. And spend more time in and, and drive around we the country nervous. and experience it. I don't know why I was nervous to take the kids. I think because so many people were like, you're taking the kids to Cambodia? I mean, I got that so much. And it was so safe and so nice and so pleasant. I think just people aren't as caught up on Cambodia and not as informed about how safe it is, how friendly the people are. So ultimately, just check it out. You have to go and visit that country. Yes. (laughs) 
So that just about wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. We've only got two more episodes in this season, season left. <laughs> yeah, so next week we're going to be sharing some of our favorite um, experiences in Southeast Asia. Cambodia was our last country that we were visiting this time around. So we have plenty of activities or plenty of lists to provide like best food, best accommodations, best excursions, etc. Um, I already think Cambodia will be <laughs> on some of those lists. So make sure that you check in with us next week so that you can get all of our favorite activities throughout Southeast Asia. So once again, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for all of the support you've given to our show. For subscribing and for being there. Hopefully you guys can leave us a comment or feedback still. We value it so much and it lets us know you're listening. Yeah, and we really appreciate you guys. So, so thank you for that. Until next week, happy, happy jet, jet setting. The music for today's show has been provided by The Long Valley with additional music by BMC. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe. Ever wonder if they were listening to you? So did Al Franken. Yep, that Al Franken. He was just on our podcast impersonating his former Senate colleagues in the name of privacy. What the Hack with Adam Levin will make you feel more chill about the unchill things that happen online and off with easy to understand tips to make your life a little less hackable. Join us as we look at the ways people get scammed and hacked. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a weekly cyber true crime show that unravels a fresh new hell every Monday. What the Hack with me, Adam Levin. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, board certified OBGYN, and you may know me from social media where I spend a lot of my time educating about everything reproductive health. This podcast is called Let's Talk About Down There, and that's what I'm doing. I am talking about down there with no shame, no stigma, a lot of fun, and a lot of education. And why? Because when we talk about these things, we educate and we empower ourselves. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body, and we're going to answer them. 